0: blog talk radio
1: you would think after all this time of hearing that announcement that it wouldn't make me go Ooh. <laughs> but that's never going to end so here we are on thursday and this is so exciting because this this is your host dr dub carlin here at blog talk radio on The kindest show in the world, The K Factor, where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it, but it's also now Partners in Excellence Media, the influencers. And I've got one of my favorite influencers with me today, Mr. Brian Lunt of the St. Louis Business Club. Good morning, Brian.
2: Good morning. How are you today?
1: I'm fine. How are you?
2: Fantastic.
1: You are fantastic. And you know what? You look like it's Christmas at your, at your place back there.
2: You know, uh, I think in this season, we're juggling not only the environment that we're going through, but, you know, the holidays. And so I thought <laughs> I'd spend a day at home today and kind of break up the background and we've got the tree up. And so why not? Right.
1: And you know what? The sound in there is wonderful. We all have a challenge with the sounds of our of our environment where we're doing the recordings, either whatever, whatever, whatever. But it's really nice. It's like yeah. you're you're in the right zone over there. So this is absolutely exquisite. All right. So here's what I was thinking. You know, when when you think uh the, the show today, your episodes on Thursdays are called The The Influencers Riding a Lion. Stories about entrepreneurship. So when you think of entrepreneurship, you and I have had these discussions, but a lot of people think, oh, I'd really love to be an entrepreneur. You know, I want, I want to wake up when I want to and be able to play and have my time and, you know, float through life and, and have it be easy and, you know, just that quiet where I don't have the pressure of going to, you know, a boss. <laughs> and so I'm thinking in contrast uh, this lifelong entrepreneur and you the former banking guy who had a really I mean you had like the blessing of life upon you you were the anointed one you got the job in the bank with your family what in the world why did you want to get on riding a lion? And, and so is the entrepreneur life like really cushy for you and like you have quiet and peace of mind and we can tell everybody just cruise on in?
2: Uh, No, (laughs) it doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, (laughs) you know, there's a couple of, a couple of things I can mention on there. Um, Several months ago I saw one of my favorite quotes and I'm big on quotes. Uh, I use quotes almost every day to to help utilize other people's words to kind of have the sentiment. Same way I, I like to use music. To oh, gosh,
1: them, yeah. You know?
2: right. I, I saw this great quote that said, entrepreneurs are the only type of people that'll work 80 hours in order to avoid working 40 hours. <laughs> and I thought, man, if that isn't the most perfect <laughs> statement. And it's perfect. absolutely true. Uh, you know, folks that are... Passionate about what they do, they're internally motivated to create something or be a certain way or have control over their own style of work. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times it takes a lot more hours, it takes odd hours. Yeah, There's oh, a lot yeah, more of a commitment. But it's so worth it because you're creating something that is your own and you are in control of your own destiny, and so. The opportunity to do so is worth the hard work. And the other thing I always uh, share with folks is that when I was in high school, I thought I thought it was very easy. I thought high school was kind of food fed to us. It was it was well um, organized. I could get all my work done in school. I could get almost all A's and B's, and it was just good. You know, life was good. I had a social life, you know, <laughs> You know, things were easy. And I got to college <laughs> and they, and they, they say, you're kind of in control of your own destiny here. You're in charge of your own schedule. You're in charge of your workload.
0: Big what mistake. you put
2: into it is what you get out. And so it took me probably two years to understand the recipe in college. And then you get this, this kind of nagging feeling at all times that you can be doing more. So you're out on a Saturday night having a cocktail, and you think, I don't know that I did enough to make sure I'm going to get an A or B <laughs> on that assignment that I did. And it's always that you can do more because it's more difficult.
0: Yeah.
2: And you're less in control, and there's more. There's so many more factors. And so I often say that, you know, a corporate job, kind of the the 40-hour work week, is much more like high school, and really entrepreneurship is a lot more like college or or beyond. And you can, you can have more self-guided success, you know, depending on which structure you're in, but it just depends on which flavor of life that you're looking for.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, here, here's something I was remembering. Um, so I remember when I was married, it, great marriage. It was wonderful until it was over, and then it was cooked. But I'll tell you what, he was a sweet man. I don't have a, a single thing to say negative about him. I was, I was like intense in, in finishing up my, my master's and Ph.D., and, you know, we had launched the Whole Health Institute, and Partners in Excellence was percolating somewhere in the back of my mind, and I had, I had this flip chart that I, I brought into the bedroom, and I set it at the foot of the bed, and I had these scented markers, so they're like the big chunky markers, but they were all different flavors. And so, you know, you'd open them up and it'd be lemon or cherry or chocolate or green apple. And I would I would just get these inspirations in the middle of the night. And I'd get up and I'd start sketching. And, and, and my husband would wake up. My done husband would wake up and he'd say, lemon? <laughs> yeah, I'd flip the page and I'd say, look at this. I want to share this idea with you. This is so exciting. He'd flip on the light. And he was... He was an entrepreneur, and so he got it. And, you know, a couple decades older than me, the man needed a little bit more sleep, but he was so entertained that it was funny. But that really is the way. I mean, like I wake up, I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I have to convince myself, just, would you rest the mind? Just, (laughs) uh, you know, can we take it down a few notches and just like ooze into the day?
2: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't have that luxury either. There's, there's a process that I go through almost every evening, where you begin thinking a little bit about what happened that day, what's going on in in your business and in your life. And I also believe and I've heard this through uh, from multiple experts that your subconscious can work on your behalf while you're sleeping. And so a lot of times I will propose certain Uh, questions or certain challenges to my subconscious prior to going to bed, which is sometimes good and many times bad because I'll wake up at 3.30 AM and my subconscious will say, are you ready to hear what we come up with? So uh, I have to download a lot of times and write all the things out or shoot out some emails to to collaborators and strategic partners and make sure a lot of those things are are dealt with. And then maybe I can rest my mind and and go back to sleep. Maybe. Maybe. Most
1: times it's not. Because it's 5.30 and you're thinking in an hour it's going to be light. Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, here's a thought that I have for you about that. So here's what Freud said. When Sigmund Freud was talking about in the Victorian era the unconscious and he was talking about dream state, all of his colleagues were laughing at him. Because the man was such a fourth a, a fourth leader, and he said, in his German accent, "Yeah, you go ahead and you laugh at me, but tomorrow you will tell me your dreams." <laughs> and and people had to, you know, because what what all he was doing was he wasn't making he was he wasn't inventing the dream. He was just saying that at the in, during the night when you don't have this visual and auditory stimulation and gustatory stimulation and tactile stimulation, you know, you're just kind of laying in your bed that then the mind can really start to float. So you have to be careful what you're going to plant in there at night because it will get busy. So I have a lot of uh, video content. I don't, I don't want anything like stuck in my ears. I don't like that. Yeah. I like a lot of video content, so now, instead of sleeping with a mate, I sleep with my phone.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think most people do that to be honest.
1: Ah to God, I don't know that that's very healthy, but it's productive
2: the world we're in right now.
1: It is the world that we're in. So I will put on you know my favorite meditations, motivational, but by people who I know understand the brain and understand. And I can trust them that there's not going to be anything subliminal. And they're like, in the morning, I'm going to wake up and write them a check, you know.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So I think that that's really healthy. But, you know, the point for us is is entrepreneurs and looking at people who are dreaming about a different way of being. You know, they're locked into a job. You know, maybe it's a career, maybe it's a job. It's really hard to explain to somebody what the life is like. And the only way that I can think of to describe it consistently, Brian, is to say to people, you know, there's a difference between being self-employed and being an entrepreneur.
2: Absolutely.
1: And, you know, you can be a bookkeeper and you just want to work for yourself and get the taxes done, get the books done. If you don't have a dream bigger than that, that's fine if you're, you know, settled into that. An entrepreneur is this absurd, ridiculous person who's got a fire in their belly and they can't stop.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a friend of mine who often says, uh, you know, sometimes you get a hold of an idea and sometimes an idea gets a hold of you. Yeah. You know? And it really means that you found that fire inside, you found that passion, and it almost takes on a life of its own that you have to do something. You know, my, my motto for my company is create the things you wish existed.
0: Oh yeah.
2: So there's this kind of appetite for designing something that you wish either you had, or you wish society had, or you wish a loved one had, um, and you want this thing to be there for you and for others. And, and when you find it, and that's what I love to find and, Mm -hmm. and, and find inside of folks, um, is that passion to just achieve something. And they, you can work almost countless hours. You think countless thoughts. <laughs> it's it's, it, it's almost obsessive in some ways, which I don't know how healthy it is. But you know, those, those are my people. <laughs> so, you know. It's uh, So it's interesting, kind of the, the conversation that we're having right now, um, in the context of what I think I've discovered uh, over the years. From a philosophical perspective, I look at life being lived either proactively or reactively. Yeah. And I think even in a spiritual sense, when you can get your mindset into a proactive nature as opposed to a reactive nature, there's so much more light that can be created by being that way. And so that's an that's a overarching theme in the way that I work with people is how are you taking control of your time? How are you taking control of your life? What are you doing proactively that can put you, make have you make progress towards the goals that you have mm-hmm. and the life that you want to lead in the business? And the career and the passion inside that you that you feel and and that's really what it comes down to is living proactively as, as opposed to reactively and there's there's nothing wrong with living reactively per se it's just you lose a lot of control
0: yeah, over yeah. who
2: you who you want to be
0: right. and
2: who you answer to mm-hmm. and so I think being proactive in the way that you design your life and design your business or career is it, it's for me it's almost a necessity at this point and I try and uh, discover that in others and, and help them, help guide them through that.
1: You know, that's interesting. I, I, I was <laughs> sitting here trying to think about what part of my life am I not proactive in? So like for Halloween, for example, and this year doesn't count because there there's been no nothing normal holiday in 2020. But when I would do Halloween from my homes, my single family dwelling homes in a neighborhood, I would get the whole neighborhood involved and we would have a, a newsletter about Halloween. We would get street horses and invite people to walk into our neighborhood, not drive. We would tell them what the hours were. It, we're having a private subdivision parade at five 30
0: mm-hmm. and it,
1: and, and it, and with cocktails and the neighbors and guys with cigars and the children will then do a little parade of their outfits. And then at six o'clock, we launch them. We all have our our, our house lights on, our porch mm-hmm. lights on, and Halloween will go on until 830, and then everybody turns the house light off. And, you know, the street horses get extended so you can't come in. And um, I would, and like, now that's not, a, you know, what's reactive about that? That's completely proactive. But to add to that, I didn't want to be sitting in my house, and I convinced my neighbors this. Why are we sitting inside having to jump up for the doorbell, jump up for the doorbell? So everybody got pillows and sat out on their front porch, on the front steps. Yeah. And kids didn't have to climb the steps. I mean, risk management, right? Liability. And I would sit out there and these kids would come up and I'd say, okay, you said trick or treat. I want the trick. And they would have little jokes and stories and tricks that they would do. And it was wonderful to be proactive because I wanted to design an experience. Mm-hmm. That was going to be as lovely as what had run through my imagination. Yeah. And I was so excited about it. I almost wanted to sell tickets because I'm an entrepreneur. I wanted to reach <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Investment, right?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, the the theme of my, I wrote a blog this week, and it was all about the value exchange. And it's something that my mom had coined a number of years ago. And we were just talking about the ways that you can bring value to two parties or, or a group of people, and it wasn't always all about money. You know, right. money is just money is just an instrument that showcases value or stores value. And so the key component for us was how are you creating value in your relationships or in your in your business dealings. And and it's there's a lot of different ways to create value. I and mean, there's there's time, there's talent, there's treasure, um, there's a combination of all three of those things. Mm-hmm. You know, figuring out ways that you're creating value. A lot of times, what you receive in return is is time, or it's you know experiences, or it's stories, or it's you know um, it's in in your case, you know, it's it's control over a a great experience and enjoyment and relationship. There's a lot of things that can come back to us that aren't necessarily just money, but. You know, being part of a, a business and being part of a business club, I always make sure that we come back to what is the business side of things, which usually has a money component, but more importantly, what is the value exchange?
0: Yeah, what, right. what
2: is what is happening between two parties where both parties walk away feeling as if they, they received value? And that's very important to me is to always have interactions and, and business partnerships. And, and situations where you can both walk away and say, I felt great about that about that interaction because we both walked away with value.
1: So your mom coined the term the value exchange.
2: She did, in, in that context, that. yeah.
1: I love that. Because, you know, one of the things in brain science, and neuroscience that we know is, if we run an MRI or a PET scan on somebody um, while they're practicing gratitude, while they're feeling joyfulness and happiness, man, it lights up in there. And we can see that it's healthy blood flow and we're just, you know, eliciting all these neuronal synapses which are enlivening us and bringing us into life. And that, that in, my opinion, in my opinion, is the punchline for entrepreneurship. It's alive, being alive.
2: It, it's alive and, and a valuable life. You know, I right. I look at where I was in my career. Again, I always say I had the the Barbie doll wife and the beautiful kids and the white picket fence and a BMW and a a banking job and all these things. I was miserable because I had all these things that appeared as if they were valuable, but on the inside they weren't really valuable to me. Yeah. And now, you know, it doesn't really matter to me what I'm driving, although I do like cars, but (laughs) it doesn't matter to me what I'm driving or how much I'm making. I get to spend every day in in, proactively in control of my life, having intellectual conversations with the people that I want to have conversations with, working with clients that I want to work with and doing things that I am proactively in control of. And there's nothing much more valuable than that. And if I make a lot of money, that's a bonus. Yeah. That also is just a measurement and really a a result of creating a valuable life. And there are so many ways to make money, you know, And, and when what's unfortunate is many people in business think that money is what you're trying to achieve. And when you take money out of the equation. I think you can create so much more value mm-hmm. because you're really focused on the right things, which is how can I treat people better? Mm-hmm. How can I create products and services that really benefit them the most? Not what they're gonna pay the most for, but how are they gonna have that value? People are more than happy to pay for value yeah. when you okay. demonstrate it. And and if you do that over the long term, it's very difficult not to be successful.
1: You know, I just had this funny image run through my mind when you're talking about money. Are in, in my work, I talk about people's fiscal comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I know people who have got billions and they are just freaking delighted, and, and then others of them are so miserable. And yeah. that, you know, just the whole mindset that goes with it, with whatever direction. And the same with mediocrity and the same with extreme uh, disparity, right? So, um, money is really a tool that can buy us all kinds of entree into things and freedoms. But if the carpenter shows up to your house and he says, I got this hammer and I got to tell you, this hammer is everything. It's like, I got a deck that needs to be built back there. You know, I want the experience of that. So I think that people really miss the mark a lot of times in business when they're so focused on the money Mm -hmm. and you know, he doesn't give a a hoot about my deck he just wants to hammer it's no fun
2: yeah there's um, there's a concept called the hedonistic treadmill oh and and the concept is that you will expand your lifestyle regardless of how much money you have therefore if you're working on $50,000 a year, that's the lifestyle you have. And then if all of a sudden you get this major raise that goes to $500,000 a year, well, you just expand everything. Right. So you'll get a bigger house, you'll get more cars, you go on more vacations. There's kind of this hedonistic nature to how life happens. And it's and in many cases, it's more reactive,
0: yeah. it's reactive
2: to that money level. And so one of the things I encourage is when you get very centered onto what your core values are and what you truly want out of life and you've made those decisions for yourself and you say, yes, I do want this type of car, this type of house, or more so, I want to be this type of person and I want to live this kind of life, then you can get very solidified on what it is that you want and know uh, from a um, you know a very granular level how to achieve those things. What What's great okay. about that is you no longer have the influences, you you take away a lot of the um, power of the influences. So you mentioned, you know, uh, feeling like you want to wake up and write a check because there's so many advertisements and marketing images right. and impressions and this behavioral economics and big data stuff that's being just an onslaught
0: onto it us. It is. And
2: it it's it's maybe one of the. Um, most detrimental things in our, in our modern society is this just constant influence, uh, over, over how we want to live our lives and this pressure that we feel to be perfect and to be all of these, you know, images that don't even really exist. And so my, my response to that is turn it off and spend some time with yourself and get very centered on who you are and what you truly want. And once you know that into your soul, they have no power over you any longer. Right. So when you walk across and you see those sneakers, you go, sneakers aren't on my list. And you walk across and you see the hot blonde and you go, she's not on my list either. Right. You've got all of these things for yourself. Yes. And that hedonistic treadmill doesn't matter. you know. And, and, and what's great about that, even for me specifically, I know how much money I need to make, or at least I know the things that I want in my life to be satisfied. And if I have the opportunity to make more than that, that's all bonus dollars that's going to go somewhere else because I don't need that to be satisfied. I don't need that to be happy. And so I feel very uh, inspired to make a lot of money, but I don't need to make a lot of money because it's not money does not excite me.
1: It doesn't drive you. No. Well, let me tell you, I don't usually during an interview with anybody have my pencil in my little pad of paper. (laughs) I'm taking notes, but I'm taking notes because each one of the things that we're talking about could be a webinar that we do. Yeah. Like, I would love to have us do, for our audience, Hedonistic Treadmill. I would love to have us do, for our audience, the value exchange. And maybe we could even have the author of that concept join us.
2: Yeah, and I'm not, I don't even know where I got that from, to be honest. I probably The value on, exchange? Well, the
1: yeah,
2: the author of that one, we can absolutely. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's what is, I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah yeah so the you know the idea like here's something that was so spectacular that happened with us yesterday. the idea that everything we do we have an easy way to invite people into the contact with us,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it doesn't you know people are saying put out a um call to action mm-hmm. if we have pink squirrel here. On the video screen, and if you're only listening to the audio, go over to YouTube from wherever you're getting this audio. Go over to YouTube, and you'll find on Partners in Excellence Media because I'm I'm a media mogul. (laughs) I believe 2020 is a mogul. Um, And Partners in Excellence Media, you will find all the influencers, and you know here's Brian and I. And we will have a tag that's live on the screen for you that you will be able to click right into where we are and exactly what you want from us. Like, boom, you don't have to leave the page. It's just, you know, it's like on every call. I don't want homework when I get off of a call. I want to take care of everything while we're in the moment because otherwise, piled up.
2: Yeah. And you
1: you don't have any room to breathe. (laughs)
2: I was um I was talking to a client earlier this week and we were talking about developing really a relationship management system which will feed into on the business side more of a customer relationship system or a CRM.
0: Mm.
2: What happens is we look at all these daunting tasks that we have to set up for ourselves ah. and and this piling up of work and I think we get lost in getting these things done without thinking it through what is the action going to be that we put in place and if we feel as if all we have is this homework to be done all we have are these things these to do lists blah 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 that aren't going to lead to something that is our ultimate outcome yeah it just feels like homework all the time yeah and so the 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 key is when you set up a system or you set up a process to know exactly where it's going to lead so If you're setting up a relationship management and you're setting up a relationship and you start to add, this is this person's birthday, this is this person's demographic information, these are these different things, only collect that stuff if you're going to do something.
1: Yeah, right, exactly. There's no
2: reason to collect a ton of data unless you're one of these goofball data companies that just collect so they might use it someday later.
1: Exactly. Um,
2: You know, collect it because you're purposeful about it. You're, you're going to put somebody's birthday into your relationship management system because you're gonna go buy them a card or you're gonna spend their birthday with them or right. you're gonna do something that creates a value for that person if if you're not if you're doing it just to you know have it it doesn't make any sense to me you know put put a purpose behind everything you do
1: i I love that and as a matter of fact when when I first started collecting data, I wanted everything you know. Everything. Just use your imagination. Then I realized I would open up that file and I didn't want to look at it because it was so overwhelming. There yeah. was so much information on there. Then I would shrink back and I think, reactively, <laughs> what have I done? I don't like. I'm not sending everybody all this. You know, every month there's a holiday I could send a card. Every every year people have anniversaries and then. What if you keep sending them an anniversary card and that's not the anniversary anymore? It's only a painful reminder, you know? So I think about that. And who who is a friend of ours? Wasn't it Ed Snars who had the send the card thing or was that somebody else?
2: Um, I, Bob Bunch is a guy that I know that did the send out cards, which
1: is a... It, that, now, oh, see, man. then that's amazing because I always wanted to do that. I never did enroll in that, but I thought... I'll send the card and then i yeah. thought well how many cards am i going to have them sent
2: yeah you know yeah it, it creates another set of homework for you and it's i have uh, and i'll say this just being guilty of of some of these things myself i have a tendency to find i well i hate throwing anything away because oh. i believe that everything has a, a purpose or a utility if it if it still has utility i just oh it, it just hurts me to throw it in the <laughs> trash. And so I often collect things. I've, I, you know, I've grown up with the junk drawer where you have just stuff in there, like you can go find things that you might have.
1: Right, right. I love uh, the
0: junk
2: drawer. Yeah, I get to use it. So I've always accumulated things in my basement, or I'll have, like right now, I have probably 50 things that are just another chore or another project that I could start. And I've gotten to the, I've gotten to the routine of just purging those things much, much more than I used to. And it's very cathartic because yeah. first of all, I clear out a space and I make it clean, which I like to do in general, just because I feel better after things are cleaned up. You also eliminate all of those projects that were on your potential to-do list. They weren't even there yet. They're just like, hey, that that painting over there, I could reframe and I could do this to it. And then I could hang it in a room that I don't even own yet. But I think <laughs> that would really be nice to have. And you've got this just stack of stuff that just represents, things you have to do or might do someday. And so when I go through the process of deciding, okay, I'm going to get rid of this project. I'm going to get rid of this to-do thing. I'm going to take it all up to Goodwill and, and provide it to somebody that can actually do something with it. And that, that's very cathartic for me because as an entrepreneur, when you become a parent, when you, you do all these things, you do like three things full time, time is such a currency for all of us. And to look at a, a, a basement full of things that I'm going to do someday, it's it, sometimes it's just much better just eliminating all that and going. Hmm, I just gave myself some time back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and and in our business, when we do that, like I've got, I love these post-it notes.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so the problem is, is I it, instead of making a note, I take them and I them together
0: which Mm -hmm. would then be
1: a memo pad Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and when I do that and I look around and I see I wonder where I put that one long list it gets overwhelming so by the time three or four days have gone by I've gotten all this information come into my head great things that I want to do I really I have to I have to like take a I have to get a glass of water and sit down and decide, okay, now let's prioritize. So then I take all of the little lists and I prioritize it into one list and yep. I put it on one sheet of paper, a bigger post a note, but it makes me feel better because it gets cleaned, you know, and I can contain it. In our business, if we don't keep our head on straight, particularly if we're an entrepreneur and we're the ones in charge of the destiny. And like you were saying a a little bit earlier, um, we're accountable for our life. There's nobody who's going to walk into your life or mine and say, don't worry. You know, it's all good. We got it all taken care of. Not at all. We either go in and make sure that everything is taken care of and the lights go on and people can get in and out and people are there and they're gathering and the activities are flowing or we're sitting there. Where on the floor, or not going anywhere? So keeping it clear is really important.
2: And so the system that I've developed over the years—that's what it's all about. It's just organization. All it is is a giant organizational system, and it's taking each area of life, each each area of business, making sure that information is filed in the correct place with purpose behind it. Yes. You so know okay, when I need to retrieve that information, I know exactly where it is. Or when I need to set up a system, here's how I do it. And so everything that you just stated in and of itself, a system, I make post-it notes throughout the week. I gather them at this time. I put them in this order. And then I add purpose and action behind how to get those things done. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's
2: essentially at the, at the core of every life system or business system. And there's some great Uh, books out there. One of my favorites uh, is Work the System by Sam Carpenter that talks about everything is a system. Everything can be broken down and distilled into the machinery of what it is, down to brushing your teeth and putting on your shoes. And there's all these different things that we do that are intuitive or we don't think about any longer as systems. But when you develop a systems mindset towards everything that you do, you can actually improve upon the things you do and create a repeatable pattern that delivers something that's more efficient than it was done the prior time. And at the core of it, that's all business building is all about, is designing something that's done well, doing it in a way that can be repeatable, writing it down and making sure other people can do it as well. And your intellectual capital is really just building the system. And so it applies and that's why I use this balance back and forth between life and business is that I say you can utilize writing down the process of brushing your teeth as teaching yourself how to write a system the same way you can putting together post-it notes and developing a to-do list and an action plan out of that. It's the same philosophy. We we trial it and practice it in in life and then we apply it to our business. And we also go down to the base fundamental and, and the lowest level of it as we can to make it all understandable, make it elementary. And that's, I often tease that everything good to learn, you learn in kindergarten and as long as we continually apply those fundamental skills uh, you can do just about anything you want.
1: You know, I love that. Uh, and there was in, and there was a book written about that, right? Yeah. 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 Everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten. One of the things that that I have never understood is people who are slobs.
0: Mm-hmm. When
1: I was I mean I'm completely neat. I I don't leave the kitchen without it being cleaned up. I could have a party for 10 people and do everything and you know for each phase People walk in and they're like, "Did you have this catered? Because it's all immaculate." No, I I, I want to rest after the entertainment. I don't want to be in here being labor. My my guests are supposed to be in here doing something. When people leave, mess, it's you know, it's like, what, what is your thought process about that? You know, did you not? I mean, did you not think that there was a consequence to leaving your clothing on the floor? I'll tell you how I got trained this way. I remember as a as a like a fifth or sixth grader, I decided to get a little cocky with my hands. So they would come into my bedroom at night to say goodnight. I mean, they'd already said goodnight, but they'd come in there to check on me. And I had this b- great big upholstered chair in the in the bay window area. And I am sleeping innocently in my bed. And, I, and I'd and wake up because I'd hear whispering. And they'd flip on the lights and they'd say, w- why did you leave your clothes on the chair? Why didn't you hang them up? what are you people doing in my room? Well, this would be your room that you have an hour home.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, oh, yes,
1: <laughs> and so, you know, what you need to do is we've given you something specific in your closet where you put your clothes to air them out overnight, but you've got them like just draped over this chair. What is the meaning of that? It's like, Oh my God, who are these people? They were so nice to me when I was a baby <laughs> a
0: toddler,
1: what happened? But you know it got me it got me in habits yeah and and when I wake up in the morning, I don't have that hassle. you know if you if, if you stop and think about it, you're, you just said it. Everything that you learn and practice in your personal life is transferable over into your business so yeah. if i if I go to sleep at night and I've left a huge mess in my bedroom, when I open up my eyes in the morning instead of feeling refreshed, it's going to be the stink of what I didn't finish yesterday. Yep. Lingering. Right? So every day when I close up my office, and I think that this is really so tough for people working out of their home when they have never done it before. I've done it my whole career. So I'm like 40 years into this, you know? But when people are working out of their home, stop working at your kitchen table or your dining room table and allocate a space forever that is in your home there's a space somewhere that you can create and not your bedroom and not your bathroom. That can be your office, right? Yeah. And get it in order before you close it down for the day and then walk away from it.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I talk about environmental and cultural design, um, you know, setting the parameters so that you're going to be in the right mindset. You're going to have the right, energies right vibes uh, you know and and again be more proactive and purposeful about how you're going to get things finished everything that we do can be broken down into a system and potentially improved until it's done almost at an intuitive level at the greatest way it can be done well then you can improve upon it and so i think and, and and it also comes down to different styles i mean that's that's a big part of what I look at as well. What is somebody's style? How do they communicate? How do they operate? What are the things that stress them out? You know, again, I'm also a clean person and that's why cleanliness was one of the core values of one of my businesses because to me, it was a, um, a mutual respect. Yeah. It was showcasing that you knew when I come into a room, just like I knew in kindergarten, if I make a mess, I am responsible for cleaning it up. That's right. You hear the old adage, Leave a space cleaner than you found it.
1: Absolutely, There's, always.
2: And there, those are common uh, values that some people share and many people and other people don't. Yeah. And so yeah. when you're building an organization or you're finding a group of people that you want to do business with, it's important to understand, are you a clean person? Meaning does this site type of situation resonate with you? Mm-hmm. And if not, well, then we might not be a good fit <laughs> for working together, right?
0: Uh, or okay. if
2: so, how are we going to navigate, you know, the differences between us? Mm-hmm. And that's, again, that's that systems mentality that you can figure out, okay, it's more important to me, so I'm going to clean for you, and you're going to pay me to clean up after you, or what, whatever works, right? right, and, right. That, and that's about navigating those situations amongst people. It's it's pretty easy when you live alone to decide who's going to be the one cleaning up after you, you know, but when you, when you enter into children and, and spouses and, and, right. and, and, all those Later things. Layer it on. That's, you
1: called that yeah. environmental and cultural design? Yeah. There you go. You got me writing down again.
2: Yeah. So I, I do an entire section, one of my sections, one of my six pillars and in, uh, in the life side is environmental and cultural. And so what I mean by that is, every space has its different characteristics it has its different light it has its different vibe it has you know a certain appeal on how the colors on the on on how it's designed was it proactively designed and does it welcome you and do you feel good there absolutely and so, i encourage everyone the the spaces that you have control over make them your own make them feel the way that you want them to feel if you are continually putting yourself in spaces that don't make you feel good that's your fault and if you don't proactively change it it's going to continue to make you feel the way you feel culturally if you you know decide that you no longer want to drink and you still hang out in bars that's on you if you decide that you you want to be around great people and you and you go to places where everybody's better at what they do than Uh you
0: are
2: you have proactively designed those situations and so there's, we have a lot more control all over where we go and how we spend our time than, than people probably give themselves credit for. There's a lot of things we can do to make sure that our cultures and our environments are much more positive uh, than they are or have a better fit. You know, the whole kind of goth style, the, you know, people who like um, – Grunge. Horror movies, you know, more of the kind of dark style of things – that does not appeal to me whatsoever. I don't even understand that horror me. and And so, you know what I do? I don't watch horror films. No, I don't, I don't, either. don't either. If somebody else likes to do that, I go, I'm glad you do. You found something that, that lights you up. It's just not my thing. No. So I would not go to an environment that is, you know, is going to be all about horror films. It's not something that, that I, appeals to me. And so I have full control over saying, oh, you guys are going to watch a film or you're going to, to a a bar or restaurant that has that as theme. Well, that's just not my thing. And I'm going to go to a, a culture and an environment that fits better with what I proactively want my life to look like. Yeah. So, right.
1: We're going to go to the magic house. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? The butterfly house. You know, you're, um, you're, my. it's so funny. Cause as I was thinking about the overlap between us is so significant and fabulous. It makes this partnership and collaborative effort easy. Right. And yet we're so different. So I love the way that you influence my mind and the and the directions that you take it. So you call it environmental and cultural design. I had a company that I started a number of decades ago called Comfortable Environments.
0: Mm-hmm. And then we yeah.
1: expanded it and called it Comfortable Environments Everywhere. <laughs> but yeah. it was exactly what you described, and it's being very intentional. About what you put together and how you do, and the vibe that you get off of it. the The thing that is interesting, though, is you're describing um, the dark movies and the the horror and the scary. You're you're very generous with it. I say to people, why would you want to do that? Do you understand brain science? Do you know what you're doing in there, and and it's it you know. It's really, it's not fair of me, but these are the same people who then come back and say, I'm so anxious, you know, I got so scared. It's like, well, you put all this ugly stuff in your head. Why did you why did you open the lid and let things come in, but, you know, now you want to shut out? I cannot, I just can't allow it. So, as a matter of fact, in the work that I do. And people are trying to tell me about their trauma and their drama and their misery and stuff. I will listen for a period of time. But they think, well, you're a doctor of psychology. You want to hear all the ugly stuff. And what I say is, actually, I, I kind of don't. And and sometimes people will push it on me. And I just I want to put a mask over my whole head and ears. Um, I, I, I get really still with it. And, and I'm just trying to look into the center of it. Did, did, did I dissect. What is it that's really the core here? And then I will, I I don't do my ooh-ahs with people during whatever, but I'll say, okay, now I want you to pause and, you know, push the molecules apart, kind of swim through them so we can get into a cleaner space. And so we've sort of like swam through that. And now let's take a look in reverse. So it's not ahead of you. You're not in the middle of it. We've come through it. You're on the other side of that. So now what does it look like? Oh, my gosh. Exactly. It's kind of like when people darken their rooms and don't want to let any natural light in. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Well, once you see how beautiful the view is out there, it's really hard to close back up.
2: It, it, It comes to perspective. Um, if you are poor in America, you feel terrible. You feel like you can't get a leg up. Your standard of living is just so much worse than all the other people, all the other Americans run around you. You go anywhere else in the world and every poor person in America is wealthy.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a such a contrast and it's such a difference in perspective. And so for me, it's it's about understanding the environment that you're in, the proactive environment you're in, and, and having some perspective. So if you're walking into – I think is the best way to put this. Um, if you've got um, an environment that is dark and dingy and – it affects you and you're thinking about it and letting it kind of swallow you up. Mm-hmm. Um, your perspective, it's, it's got an, in, it's got an impact. Like what you surround yourself with has got an impact. So if you're around a group of people and everybody, uh, and you're the least among them, yes. you know, what I'm, I'm trying to, you're trying in a
1: vast minority and their vibe is going to pull you in and pull you yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You can, you can, you can change your environment and change your perspective. So you can be poor in America and feel like everybody's against you and you just can't get a leg up. You can go put yourself in Haiti and you've been one of the wealthiest people amongst all the Haitians.
1: Absolutely.
2: So maybe just doing that gives you a perspective that says, hmm, my life is pretty good. And all of a sudden you flipped your perspective around to say, I've got it good and maybe I can make it better. Depending on how I have my mindset trained and how I want to move things forward, and so that's kind of my point is that depending on what you have around you, how that affects you because it affects you, um, it's up to you how you let it affect you.
1: you know what I love about the St. Louis Business Club is that you've created an environment that anybody can walk into and feel welcome and see if there is a fit. You've made yeah. it so that it's um it's affordable, it's reasonable, and even if even if the <clears throat> even if the fees associated with that club membership seem to be uh like a stretch for somebody, I can envision the ways in which you would talk to somebody and enlighten them about how they're walking into an arena of abundance. And so, okay, if this is tight for you, I want to talk to you about the ways that you're going to get a return on your investment, right? And then we're uplifting people because one of the problems is if we're full immersion, like if we take somebody who's impoverished from the United States and we place them in Haiti, we've taken them there and they have immediate gratification from others upon them. The problem is in our culture, I think sometimes, is that people feel displaced when they walk into an environment where it seems like everybody's better than I am. No, they're not. They're what you want to be. You're just living in the contrast of where you want to be, and we can get you to walk through the contrast. It's not an immediate leap, but walk through the contrast because you can land right here too.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing that... Befuddles me at times is the lack of of control that everybody, you know, convinces themselves about limitations. The limitations and 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 the kind of, um, you know, what control do you have over your own environment? What control do you have over your own space? That's something that I can manipulate in order to make myself better. What what I often find befuddling is it's people that want to change others or they want to change other people's things yeah. or, or, the, or the the society at whole, instead of saying the easiest way for me to fix this is to change myself. Yep. Yep. It, you know, I don't understand the mentality of, you know, this restaurant doesn't look the way that I want it to look like. So I'm going to protest and I'm going to talk about how this owner should change all these things about what they did. And And my response as an entrepreneur is go start your own restaurant.
0: Exactly. Go do it
2: yourself. If you can do it better, don't try and affect other people's lives. Don't try and put your stuff onto other people. The easiest way that you can change how you perceive that restaurant is to change your own perception. (laughs) And that's kind of the point that I'm making with all of this is that the environment that you spend your time in is going to be based on how you see it. So if I, if I get if I get energy from a goth styled horror place and I like that and it makes me a productive member of society, then I say knock yourself out. That's great. Go have fun in that in that environment, if that's what your perception of it is. It's not my thing. So I'm gonna, I'm not gonna go to that space. I'm not gonna go to that place.
1: And don't but, bring that to my space.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's that's why I think some of the best things we can do as a society is get better. Get clear on what we want internally, uh, and and make sure that we're clear, and then tr- try and align with others that that match that vibe and that energy. But also not try and impress that on others because it's impossible. You can't you can't convince other people to think like you do. You know, it's you can you can lead by example, right? And you can showcase how you do things. But there's going to be a lot of people that go, I don't want to live my life the way that you live your life. You know, let's, let's just let everybody be themselves, and when we match, this is a benefit. We all get to spend life alongside one another, but there's certain people that, regardless of what you do, they're just not going to be a good fit for you, and so I, it, I think we have a lot more control over that in the way that we live our lives and the way that we treat ourselves, more so than trying to do this broad brush over, uh, you know, trying to get other people to do things the way that we want them to do it.
1: You know, if we stay stuck in a mindset, if we have to change everybody, we put so much stress on our internal self, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: on
1: top of our relationships, that not only do we alienate people, but we actually become alienated from our core self, because we're not living in peace.
2: Yes. And and the reason I'm even bringing this up is because it's showcased so prevalently, if that's a word, um, in our society right now. There's so much chatter out on the social media of of people saying, you should, you should do this. You should do this. Yeah. On both sides, on every side, it's amazing to me how much judgment exists and how much control or lack of control everybody wants somebody else to think the way that they do.
0: Right. And and I don't
2: even know that they're solidified in their own thinking. And, And the best thing I can do, my experiment this entire year has been about solidifying what I believe. Yeah. And when I see somebody that doesn't believe what I don't believe or doesn't believe what I believe, I just, I choose not to be in business with them Yeah, spend my time with them. And and having the freedom to do that is one of the great things about our, our country. And, and I'm not going to go to them and say, you should think like me so I can hang out with you more. (laughs) I'm just going to choose not to hang out with them. And there's a lot more control in choosing where you go and who you hang out with than trying to, convince the whole society to, you
1: know, think like you do. You know, it was funny. Um, In the entrepreneurial world, when people come together and they have like-mindedness and you start really, you know, jamming on, yeah, and I do this and, oh, yeah, I do this, and we can come together and we get all excited. I had a really funny experience this year where I started working with somebody, not working with them, but we were exploring the work that we could do. And all of a sudden, um, I I knew what their political, t- you know, position was, but I figured the work was so good that that's okay. You know, you go yeah. into the voting booth, I go into the voting booth. And there was enough alignment in values, Brian, yeah. that I knew, I knew that it was all possible. And, you know, just intellectual fodder and da, da, da. But it came down to one statement that I made about a group of clients, and <laughs> this person shrieked about how they identified my politic, and it was expletives in it. Are you a? And I and I and I said, Why would you talk to me that way?
0: Yeah. yeah. Why
1: would you Why would you shriek in my ear? Why would you make a proclamation as a question mark and a statement simultaneously? Mm-hmm. Why would you act like maybe I have misrepresented myself? I didn't misrepresent anything. So wow. what what is this about? So one of the things I have found, and you and I have talked about this, the degree to which there is this massive intolerance. Yes. What I do is if you're intolerant of me, I just move over. Yeah. I'm not staying in the line of fire.
0: Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm
1: not I'm not I'm not really going to try to convince you of anything. You know, if I'm on if I'm in a position to give a talk about a topic like that, I'll talk I'll talk more about critical thinking skills. But I won't beat you up and slam you for what you believe.
2: Well, it's I think it's a fool's errand to believe that you can convince people how to think. I think you can inspire people. Yeah. How- what to think, or or you can educate people, um, but you can't tell people. And and what's interesting to me is there's so much more that most, if not all, people are aligned on than they're apart on. Yes. Yeah. I, I try to find the things that we're all we share, and then when you we establish trust and relationship on the things that you share. If from time to time you have those things that come up that you both might be passionate about, but you disagree about hopefully you've established enough of foundation in between the things that you, you come together on that those conversations can be had and you don't blow up the foundation. Right. Now it's just gotten a little, little tricky in the Mary. climate. That we're in, And so um,
0: speaking
1: of tricky, the trick is to close out this episode.
2: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Got to get the timing correct.
1: We have gone through another hour now. Here's what I want to tell you. First of all, Dr. Deb Carlin and Mr. Brian Lund here every Thursday to talk about the influencers and riding a lion, stories of entrepreneurship, and really rocking and rolling in this life and making it what you want, what you dream, what you envision. We're going to arrange three different webinars, and we're going to talk more about them here. And stay tuned because we're going to have a little thing you can click where you can just go right to it, right while we're here. It's going to be amazing, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm at now. We're going to say, ta, until next time. And we're going to close out that.